Hi there, everybody. Welcome to the Football Outsiders live cast and podcast for October 20th, 2022. I am Aaron Schatz, Editor-in-Chief of Football Outsiders, joined as always by Mike Tanier for our Thursday show previewing this week's games. And uh, this week's games suck. So I'm going to just put it to you straight from the front. This week, we have a lousy slate of games, in part because two uh, the two best teams in the league by DVOA are on bye this week, Buffalo and Philadelphia. But uh, if any of these games are intriguing and interesting, the most interesting, intriguing one, well, is probably San Francisco, Kansas City. But the second most intriguing and interesting one is probably Atlanta at Cincinnati. And so we brought in an expert on these teams, and that is Robert Weintraub, who folks know from writing for the site, usually in the offseason, writing for Football Outsiders Almanac. Folks know he is a Cincinnati Bengals fan who lives in Atlanta. So he is very familiar with both teams. Uh, But before we talk about Atlanta and Cincinnati and the other games of this week, I do want to remind you, first of all, Thank you for watching the show. Please tell your friends about the show. Like and subscribe to the show. Watch live 1 o'clock Eastern. And please ask questions and make comments in our discussion thread. And don't forget that our shows are brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. And you can play with us and double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code OUTSIDERS. Try Battle Royale, which is a six-round best ball-style draft with simpler chances to win or Pick'em Games, where you can wager on players' chances to go over or under, even in states where traditional prop betting is not currently available, like my state, Massachusetts. (laughs) Underdog is the fastest-growing fantasy site around. Join the fun at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the App Store and use promo code OUTSIDERS right now to double your first deposit up to $100. All right. So Atlanta at Cincinnati, what are what are your feelings about this season as a Bengals fan, man? Because like things started like, oh, God, the Bengals, everything's going wrong. And then the last couple of weeks have been good and they've started to climb in advanced metrics. They're like 12th in DVOA and the ESPN's FPI has them as the third best team in the whole AFC. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you for inviting me on the week that sucks I, uh, yes. I, I, casting i believe but i'll take it um well to going back to the original part of the question it's only cincinnati's start to the season was only a, a disaster as some people put it when you put it in the frame of going to the super bowl last year hard to avoid i grant you but it's not like this was a team that was expected as we know from football outsiders almanac and various other places that was necessarily going to be a buffalo or kansas city level team at least not right not off the bat right so joe burrow had appendectomy surgery and missed basically the entire summer they have four new offensive linemen and a new tight end there was a lot of stuff to work out uh pittsburgh threw the kitchen sink at him the bengals still should have won that opening week game if they could have just had their long snapper make it through healthy and not uh, had a pat blocked on the last play of regulation uh you know they've lost three games by eight points all on the last kick of the game that's you know, that's the sort of underlying, okay, I, nobody's really panicking. There's people in the national media who are fire Zach Taylor. I mean, 
I, I don't know where that comes from. First of all, Marvin Lewis lasted there for a decade and a half, never <laughs> winning a playoff game. Zach Taylor could be the coach in, you know, uh, 2087 at this, at this rate. So he's not going anywhere. That's not really the big picture, but it, listen, there were some problems. The offense was terrible. They were last in DVOA on first downs before last week. Uh, their main issue on offense, the defense has been pretty solid, especially in the first five uh, games. They had some issues against the Saints. We'll get into that in a second. But uh, they were really caught between, and this has been a recurring issue since they got Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is a much better player and is much more comfortable out of the shotgun, surveying the whole field, not going under center and trying to run a wide zone running scheme that they seem insistent on trying to use yeah. in Cincinnati. And after week four of pounding their heads against the wall, not being able to run against loaded or unloaded boxes, really, they finally came to the realization that they were just going to switch to a gap scheme, go more shotgun. Against the Saints, they only ran two plays, I think, under center the entire game. I think they finally decided that let's go with what our personnel is good at rather than, you know, what we like, like on the drawing board or on the, the dry erase board. And, uh, you know, it definitely has helped. It definitely helped against New Orleans in particular. I think you saw in that game what, you know, sort of the ideal of what Cincinnati is going to face this year, what they want to have this year, because teams are going to do everything they can to take away the long pass. We know that. Uh, that was going on last year, too. But if you can, you know, work the short passing game and run the ball more effectively, they've run the ball for five and a half yards per carry, basically, in the last two games. If you can marry those two and get the concepts working together as, uh, you know, as the, they envision, then you're going to score a lot of points. And they did, obviously, against the Saints. Uh, overall, the Bengals, the defense has kept them in these games. They haven't given up a second-half touchdown all year, which is pretty astounding. Mm. Um, you know, they're, they're high up in all the underlying stats, some of them you mentioned. They're high up there in point differential. They're high up there in points, net points per drive. I mean, overall – they're playing pretty well. They've gotten a little bit of bad luck. They've had some ill-fated games and ill-fated turnovers and definitely had some poor offensive efforts. But overall, I think, you know, I, I don't – I never panicked, and I'm a panicker. So I, I didn't really think that there was too much of an issue. People were overblowing it because of their Super Bowl trip last year. Now, coming up, they're in the midst of a four-game stretch where they actually face the four top teams by DVOA and running, all four of them, Baltimore, Cleveland. Uh, New Orleans last week and now Atlanta. Hmm. And this is while they're missing DJ Reader, their elite run stopper, uh, his backup. Josh Tupelo went out last week and now Logan Wilson is hurt too. They're middle linebacker. So it's going to take an all hands on deck effort to slow down the Falcons, who are an unbelievable running team. They're basically, it's like playing a service academy. You never really uh, have enough time to prepare for a team like that. They don't want to throw the ball at all. Yeah. Uh, so now, Marcus the Falcons are number one in run offense. Yeah. Oh, I will I will point out I went and looked. If you take out all Corderell Patterson runs, they drop to ninth. They're way but down. there is He's still, you know, Mariota being able to use his legs as well as Algier and Huntley. And... Yeah, he I mean, Corderell was out last week. They put up 168 yards on the 49ers. Yeah. I mean, they're still getting the job done. And the key for the Bengals is gonna be what they kind of did against the Saints. The Saints put up over 200 yards on them. Uh Granted, three of those runs counted for like 100 of the yards, yeah. all three in a row. It was a bit misleading, but the, the point was they were a little bit willing to let that happen. And in the red zone, they forced four field goals and knew that Andy Dalton wasn't going to beat them uh, for a touchdown. The question is, can they do the same thing with Mariota? 
and I don't see why they can't. Hey, he doesn't know that Kyle Pitts is on the team, apparently. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> Kyle Pitts had like a touchdown last week. He did finally have a touchdown. That worried me because now, like, you know, it seems like the now they may realize that he's on the team and like throw it. I think Arthur Smith was the one who didn't realize he was on the team for a couple of weeks when he was only playing about 20 snaps a game. Um, But the the best run defense for the Cincinnati Bengals should be their offense. Just outscore them and say, okay, you can't run the ball anymore. You can run the ball five yards a clip, but we're up by two touchdowns. We don't care. Um, And and really against the Bengals, particularly like from the second quarter on after a little bit of a slow start, it's the first time the Bengals to me, excuse me, against the Saints, that the Bengals looked like the Bengals that I was seeing. Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Boyd and mixing it. Everyone's involved there. And it was more underneath stuff than what we see in the past. Again, probably facing a ton of cover too. But it looked the way it was supposed to look for the first time, I think, all year. Yeah. And the targets were evenly distributed between the big three receivers yeah. really for the first time. There's been some talk. You know, Tyler Boyd wasn't getting involved and Higgins has been hurt a little bit. Uh, and I think Burrow, there's no question that, you know, when – when the time comes to make a decision, he, his mind automatically defaults to Jamar Chase, and then he has to talk himself out of it a little bit. So <laughs> you can't blame him, obviously. We saw what Chase can do. But I think he made more, and the coaching staff made more of a concerted effort to to spread the ball around, work everybody. Saints had no answers, really. Uh, and, you know, Cincinnati just has had a real problem in the first quarter this year. I mean, it's yeah. the opening drives when they score or move the ball at all, they look like a team that we expect. Uh, but it certain seems like it's taken them a while just to maybe they don't realize their their games are starting at one o'clock. They're on Central Time or something. I'm not sure. But, uh, both of case, these teams have actually been much better after halftime. Yeah, but on both sides of the ball. Yeah, like both offenses have been better after halftime, and both defenses have been better. So yeah. there's really no advantage there for either team, and there's really no advantage for for betting because it's not like the offenses have been bad, but the defenses have been good right. before halftime. Right. So, but I think the, 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 the Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator of Cincinnati has clearly been very good with his adjustments and they've done a lot of things to obviously slow down. I mean, not just the saints last week, but they've played, you know, Miami and Baltimore are good offenses who didn't track the end zone in the second half. That's why Cincinnati is able to make these comebacks. Even when they've fallen short, they were, they've been down double digits basically in every game. And yet, they keep coming back, and a large part of that is because they're keeping the other team from scoring in the second half, touchdowns in particular. So we have to give uh, the defense a lot of credit, and but they are shorthanded, and it's going to take uh, quite an effort to, you know, not just slow down the Falcons' running attack, but not get suckered into selling out, slowing down everything that they're doing on the, in their various tricks. They've had a lot of interesting uh, uh, schemes and formations, yeah. Atlanta. And, uh, you know, you don't want to get tricked into that and then give up a big play in the passing game kind of nowhere. That's been a that's been a tenet of Bengals defenses in the past. So I'm hoping we don't see that on Sunday. And, and that's what the Falcons do to a lot of opponents because it is, oh, we're in the pistol, we're running option, option, and then they get a deep shot and they get like somebody like Zacchaeus a deep yeah. shot. By the way, Pierrot LeFou says, you know, Barrow likes the shotgun snaps. How are you going to burn the clock? It's this weird thought and it's been going around Twitter that like you can't run out of shotgun consistently. You can't. You can run an almost full rushing running game out of your shotgun set, and you can slow the game down, and 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 you can burn clock from from you know from that formation. You, you know, even inside runs, even because he yes. says mix and runs heavy. You can do inside zone. You can do pulling guards. You know, mm-hmm. you run quarterback power out of shotgun. Why not just run halfback power out of shotgun? Right, and one of the yes. things is that Zach Taylor doesn't like a lot of those bells and whistles in his blocking schemes, and that is a little bit of a problem. But you can still there's still things you can do with. 
yeah, it's it's really Frank Pollock. I would say I would default to him. He doesn't particularly seem to like it. Uh, right. Not that Zach loves it either, but it, Zach is definitely willing to. And they, they did this in back in I think it was 2018 or, or 2019, Zach's first season, whatever that was. Uh, 19. You know, they, they were having a horrible time running the ball. They couldn't do it. They had a bye week. They switched their entire running scheme over to like a pin and pull system that we're seeing a little bit more now mm-hmm. out of that wide zone. They're basically just doing it again. And uh, I think in this case, the fact that they have a lot more veterans on the line, new to each other, but they are you know not new to the league. And you're talking about Karras and Kappa and Collins and those guys. Uh, they're just able to adjust to it a lot easier. And I think they're just more comfortable and they're more comfortable with each other, which Stands to reason. And, uh, you know, I think that the best football is yet to be played by that offensive line and the offense in general. The um, interesting, the Logan Wilson injury is really important, obviously, for the Bengals run defense. But the other injury that's really important is Casey Hayward, the cornerback yes. from Atlanta, is now on IR. Mm-hmm. So you probably end up with A.J. Terrell covering Jamar Chase. And A.J. Terrell had other worldly charting numbers last year. He does not have otherworldly charting numbers this year. He's given up some stuff. He's coming off a little and, pull in the hammy, too. He's coming off a little pull. Their other shooter on the, on the outside is a guy from a second-year player named Darren Hall, who's had only six targets, faced only six targets so far this season. So, like, I'm like seeing Higgins taking advantage of that dude. Darren Hall goes down. John Oates comes in, right? And T. Higgins. <laughs> Will AJ Terrell guard T. Higgins, the all Clemson matchup? That's what they've been talking about, but uh, I don't think that'll uh, come to pass. You know, oh, then Chase is just going to eat this poor kid up. Done as much zone as they could possibly do. Uh, unless they do the old Belichick thing of put your best corner on the number two and double the number one. Yeah, you need you need that's a front fine. seven for that. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the other problem with the Falcons is their pass rush is really poor. Their last in pressure rate, according to PFR, their 26th in ESPN's pass rush win rate. They're starting some guy named Adedo Kunbo Ogundeje, who was a fifth round <laughs> pick last year and is injured and didn't play last week. I'm glad you tried that because I, I didn't want to attempt that uh, insult uh, our, our friends who uh, in the in the family. I'm not going to even say it now. Yeah. yeah they, they, no disrespect to Nigerian people whose names I mangle, but he is a fifth round. He's a second year fifth round guy, and he was injured last week, so I don't even know if he's playing this week. And behind behind him, there's rookie Arnold Ebikete, and then not much more. And Ebikete has good pass rush, you know, sort of traits. So, that, but he hasn't done any age. Rookie doesn't know what's going on yet. And you know, the Falcons are just going to do what we talked about, what the Saints tried to do last week, and we're pretty effective at. Run the ball as much as possible, hog the clock, keep the possessions down, hope for a turnover, and try and swipe one. Uh, and, you know, it's worked for them pretty well so far. They've been in every game, and they've covered every game, which is also uh, unusual, right? 6-0 and uh, against yeah, the, the spread. Yeah, the Falcons are 6-0 against the spread, yeah. Oh, God. So, oh, God, we've, we've come to this. <laughs> it's time to are they talking about the falcons in atlanta like i never know how much they talk about like on like yeah. local radio because they've got all the you know college sports is such a big deal down there bulldogs such a big deal you whatever uh georgia tech fans too and stuff like i mean how is the falcon are people like hey we're three and three or whatever they are like yeah. our offense is playing well look at all this stuff or are they like yeah, I think the hardcore fan is, you know, a little bit uh, pleasantly surprised, I think you'd say. But generally speaking, the sports fan in Atlanta is still recovering from the Braves going out uh, last <laughs> week. And, 
that was a, a crushing blow after six months of really paying close attention to that race and being defending champs and in baseball. So that hurt. And, you know, it's going to take a while. And as you say, college football is not only much bigger than pro football down here, but the SEC is not just Georgia and Alabama. You got a lot of Tennessee fans down here, a huge amount oh. in Atlanta, a huge amount of Florida and Ole Miss fans. There's a, yeah, a real uh, booyah bays of Southeastern Conference football in Atlanta specifically. And uh, that just hogs a lot of the attention and, and the frontal lobes of sports fans down here. And the Falcons, you know, when they had Michael Vick, that was one thing. Uh, when they went to the Super Bowl, that was one thing. But, you know, a three and three team that's overachieving a little bit, but still doesn't seem to have much in terms of excitement to them. And, and even then the, two top 10 picks on offense that they drafted the last couple of years aren't even getting the ball. So it's, they're basically like Georgia tech, you know, running that triple option from a few years ago. It's like, eh, okay, it's nice that they win, but what do I really have to watch the whole game? I mean, it's that kind of feeling generally down here. Now, if they make a shocking run, including a playoff run, they'll obviously get more attention, but for the time being, they're deep down uh, where, you know, Hawks preseason and now just opening day is on uh, the sports fans calendar. I have a prop, by the way. Yeah. You can, what's your play here? Well, first of all, my play of the week, actually, I'm going to wait on the play. I have a prop just to throw it out there. I'm not advocating this one. Jamar Chase and the mysterious Kyle Pitts, three plus receiving touchdowns combined, mm. plus 350. I can see Chase getting two. I just have a hard time seeing Pitts getting any. Yeah, it's almost like if Chase gets the two, that guarantees Pitts does not get one. And if Chase gets one, Pitts will get one. (laughs) It's hard to see them getting to three, isn't it? Uh, Unless Chase gets three. Yeah, I would probably at around plus 500 or so be interested. Yeah, it has to be higher. Yeah. And I'm also, now my play of the week, uh, I I usually, I have a rule about not – betting Falcons games. However, I'm down. <laughs> I'm minus a hundred right now. I'm down. Uh, I'm down a unit uh, for the year because these, these picks have not been going well. And I- I'm going with this game, same game parlay mm. Bengals straight up. I don't trust the spread Bengals straight up and the under, I love the under. I love the rain Bengals straight up and under at plus one sixty. What is, what is the number? Is it 40, 47 and a half. Yes. Yeah, 47 and a half. It's high. For a team that's uh, exclusively a running team against a team that has all offensive issues so far this year, I think that's yes. a bit high. You never know. Uh, you know, one team might get a couple of turnovers and just put up a huge number, but it seems unlikely. I would, I would definitely uh, look at the under myself. On that. Yeah, this isn't a points off turnovers under game, like with two turnover prone quarterbacks. This is ball control quarterbacks, and that's where you're especially uh, Mariota. So you look towards that under. I will. I will say the fo picks like the under in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I checked them. So Bengals minus six and a half against the spread. What would your pick be if you had to pick against the spread? Uh, I would probably go with the Bengals, but that's why I create these parlays so I don't have to think about it. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not especially sanguine about that number. That seems a bit high to me too. Um, not even considering the fact that the Falcons have covered every game. Just in general, I mean, the Bengals just, you know, even their blowout, quote-unquote, blowouts are tight until midway or late in the fourth quarter when they, mm-hmm. you know, put away yeah. touchdown. They, they just play close games. That's how they've been. It's how it's been for a while now. Uh, they never get blown out, which is nice. Nice change in my life. 
But on the other hand, it's, uh, you know, asking them to guarantee a double-digit win or even a touchdown win at this point is, is a little yeah, bit. Yeah, this, this is a hard one to bet because, like, I'm with you on that. Like, especially with Atlanta being 6-0 against the spread, it feels like an underdog cover. On the other hand, that Casey Hayward injury against yeah. these receivers that's really has hurt. me thinking that's going to really hurt. So and it's a critical play. I think yeah. I would I would play the Bengals. Yeah, and it's an important stretch for Cincy because I mentioned the running attack that they're facing. But they're you know their next three games: Falcons, they have the Browns, and they have the Panthers. And mm-hmm. you know you get a little run there, and then you go in the bye, and then it, it, the schedule definitely takes a, a downward turn from their perspective in the second half of the season. So it's it's even Burrow said it himself this week. You know this is a critical stretch for them, and if they can you know get the six and three. Nobody remembers the fact that they scuffled off the top of the season and they're in good shape in, in the playoff picture and you know take it week by week from there. So, but lose a couple or even one at this stage. Yeah, I think they're focused. I think they're they're have that in the back of their minds that these are some teams that they need to beat. And if they're a real contender this year, they will. Yeah. All right. Sticking in the AFC North, let's talk about some of the other games this week. Cleveland at Baltimore. This is the most important game for Super Bowl odds basically because of the Ravens. The Ravens make the Super Bowl 15% of simulations with a win, 9% with a loss. The Browns, it's 1.5% with a win and 0.3% with a loss. Like I said, Ravens, and also, like I said, this is a terrible week. Last week, there were two games where the Super Bowl leverage was over 20%. This week, this game at 7% is the highest. So, yeah. And to be clear, when when we have these odds, you have – Deshaun Watson coming to the rescue for the Browns later in the season priced into this. Uh, yes, that the yeah. odds for making the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl include the idea that Deshaun Watson comes back later in the season. Although, because the Browns offense has been pretty good so far, yeah. the bonus that I'm giving when he comes back is smaller than it used to be. Interesting. Yeah. Defense has been their issue, not offense. Oh, their defense is 31st in DVOA and terrible against runs, especially runs up the middle. Yeah. I did this last week. I'm doing the updated stats this week. Browns defense on first down, 4.6 yards per rush allowed. Browns defense on second down, 5.4 yards per rush. And the Ramondre Stevenson third and 10 memorial. (laughs) Browns on third downs up to 6.3 yards Oof. per rush. Teams are just happily – like third and four – or third and ten last week. But third and four, that's a running down against the Browns because they're averaging yeah. that much. That was a give-up play. That Ramondre Stevenson run was a total give-up, we're going to punt play, and it got a first down. Right, right. It was a give-up play by the Browns too, though. <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant the defense gave up. Like the defense gave up four times in that game. No, I mean the offense was like that. That was Belichick going, "All right, run for three yards, and then we'll right. punt." And then he ran for fourteen or whatever. You know? <laughs> right, right. And that's all critical against the Ravens, who want to run the ball with Lamar, want to run it with Latavius Murray, um, and want to be able to control the game in that respect. Um, M- Matthias one says, "I'm assuming about this game." that it's an interesting matchup between two teams who seem to be going in opposite directions. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'll have to explain that a little bit more. I can't tell what direction the Ravens are going in <laughs> because, you know, they are third in DVOA. Like we're the only people out there who have them higher than Kansas city. And I know that's weird, uh, but they're horrible in the fourth quarter and they've given away these huge leads in these games. And it's 
So it's not like they're on a downward. They're not really going down, but they're not really going up. They're just kind of like, one's going kind of waiting for this, fourth, for this fourth quarter thing to stop. They're circling yeah. the drain on different uh, hemispheres, right? Hemispheres, yeah. right. So they're going in different directions here. Um, uh, also, go ahead. I was just going to say, just when you asked me about, oh, you know, what is there panic with the Bengals and uh, what's wrong with this year? You look at the two teams, the Bengals and the Ravens, not to bring the Bengals into every conversation, but when you lose <laughs> games on the last play because you yeah, even after coming back, you know, yeah. that's a different feeling than when you've blown double-digit leads in the fourth quarter time and time again like the Ravens had. And that, I, I don't mean just with the fan bases. I mean in the locker room. Yeah. And there's been a lot of, you know, sort of half-muffled, half unmuffled talk coming out of Baltimore. Uh, you know, what's going on here? Why does this keep happening? And it's not just a this year problem with them. Uh, you know, obviously the injuries gave them a ready-made excuse last year. Roman, but, Greg yeah, Roman has a history of his team sending badly in the fourth quarter. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. And, you know, they, they brought in a new defensive coordinator in part because they felt like the Wink Martindale blitz, uh, you know, uh, combinations weren't working in, later in the games. And, this hasn't really worked either, so I'm not sure where you go from here. How's that working out for the Giants? And in the past, I always thought like the fourth down problems for Greg Roman was uh, coming from behind. I think that was the uh, fourth quarter we're playing from behind. We're not really equipped to do that. Now it's being unable to uh, preserve a lead. Uh, by the way, Jeb Armstrong asks if we offer fantasy advice. We don't usually do that as much on the show. This is about picks for next week. We do have fantasy shows, though. Is that correct, Aaron? During the It's not a live stream, but okay. – you can watch the fantasy discussion with Tom Strachan and Ian O'Connor on YouTube, or the best fantasy advice is to use the fantasy projections that are part of an FO plus subscription. Don't forget footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. You do get fantasy projections because uh, if you ask me a, should I start this guy or this guy question, I'm probably going to just look up the projections and tell you. Right. what the projections say so yeah. <laughs> it's so hard to have that stuff right it's hard to have that stuff right on the top of my memory when we're <laughs> yeah but when mike talks about lord of the rings or house of the dragon that does not count as fantasy advice. <laughs> that's right. a different fantasy advice yeah Very kind of fantasy. right and we also have a discord jeb by the way we have a discord you can join. oh that's the best place to get fantasy advice is join the football <laughs> right. outsiders discord and post in either the fantasy or dfs uh, channel and Tom Strachan will probably respond that uh, respond to you with advice and the discord there should be a discord link below this show on YouTube so get on the football outsiders YouTube and we definitely talk fantasy advice there absolutely right. Right. by the way going back Pierre uh, Perot Perot does mention Raven signed Djax that's desperation yes I don't think they need Djax I think they need somebody who can be consistent uh, catching pass is not a guy to lift the lid, the lid on that offense. And Rashad Bateman would be helpful, but I'm looking at right now, he's still sidelined for the Ravens. I think he's supposed to be back this week. Yeah, they're saying it's 70, 30, he'll play, but obviously he's not 100% even if he does. So. We, put him, we put him back in the fantasy projections this week, but it's hard, you know, God, it's, this is the first year that I've had to like do weekly fantasy projections where I'm actually working on them instead of Scott Spratt and like, trying to figure out who to put in the projections when these guys have these limited practices on Wednesday and you're like, they might play and they might not play. Freaking hard. Wednesday is a rest day for half these guys anyway. They don't yeah. practice whether they're really hurt or not. So it's right. tough. Um, it makes you appreciate Scott, though. The, the Browns are fourth rushing the ball in DVOA. The Ravens' defense is 24th against the run. Oof. The Browns are 
bad against both passes and run. Like, I just feel like, I just feel like the Ravens are a really good team that's had really bad luck. And I feel like they're going to have a game where they stomp. And this uh, feels like this could be it. Love it. They are 34 and 12 all time since the Modell uh, caper and uh, Cleveland return. <laughs> Baltimore's basically owned the Browns, you know, since 99 in that sense. Uh, Cleveland not also will not have Wyatt Teller, I believe, this week. So yes, Wyatt right. Teller is out. That is correct. Oh, my. That's big. That is big. Uh, and, you know, one bright spot for the Ravens defense, Travis Jones, you know, the rookie, uh, a giant aircraft carrier in the middle there, a little <laughs> come see, come size you would expect from a rookie, but he, he certainly seems like he's getting it a little bit figured out the last couple of weeks. He played well last week. So uh, that could be a matchup to watch inside for the Cognoscenti. We'll see if that plays out. Um, and, yeah, I, I think, like you said, I don't know if they're a great team, but they've definitely a team that, they're better than the Browns, and they're better than their record indicates. I think that would, that's fair to say. I'm talking about yeah, Baltimore. I, I would go Ravens. It's Ravens six and a half, and I definitely pick Ravens with that spread. I would I would take Ravens. I was just looking up when we talk about the run defenses and the running games. I was like, I want to bet the time of the game, like the actual time of play, <laughs> like under three hours, because this is going to be so much running off tackle in the game. Can't find the prop yet. We'll probably be looking at it like a weirdo on Sunday morning, but – Pure Jim strategy. Brown and uh, Jim Brown and Alan Amici taking handoffs. Old you, you, you add a prop on this one though. You you send me a prop before oh, the show. Yes, I did send the prop before the show. Thank you very much. Oh, and it is rushing related. Nick Chubb and Lamar Jackson combined two hundred plus rushing yards at plus two twenty. Huh. I mean, I don't know what you tell me, uh, Aaron. Did the uh, Patriots do anything particularly special last week to take Chubb away? Did they do the no, Jedi mind trick to get him to throw the ball way too often? Uh, yeah, I, I don't feel like they <laughs> really were like, and their run defense had not been good in previous weeks. Uh, but I, I didn't feel like there were like extra dudes in the box or anything. Like, uh, yeah. What was the halftime score? It was like 20 something nothing. For yeah, them. I mean, that's what took yeah, away the yeah. run is that they had a big lead. Come on. But even then, they were saying that they should. And Brissett is, as you alluded to, has been at least underlying numbers wide pretty good this year. I mean, yeah. you know, he's he's kind of in that Garoppolo uh, territory right now, where his, his numbers are surprisingly good, and yet you can always count on him for the killer mistake. And obviously, he's, he can't be your you know quote unquote franchise guy going forward. But it's not like he's out there, you know, killing the team. He's, he's playing decently at least. So. I, I'd do it in part for fun, yeah, because it would really give you something fun. Right. All, yeah. all of this game for yes um i i feel like they're not it chubb and chubb and jackson i don't think jackson will get enough yards to make that worthwhile but at plus 220 it's not a bad gamble at, at plus 300 or so i'd be on it and, and pierre perot says they're doing something funky with the line they're doing this they're hook, they're trying to hook me <laughs> with the line and I, it's it's right on the fringe so the teller injury worries me a little bit because like anything that like takes six or seven yards away from chubb like off the board, off the board. So that's that's a concern. But I'm I'm and leaning it, toward it. I think it kind of makes Miles Garrett, ironically, kind of important because his pass rush theoretically will flush Lamar and get him maybe right. some of those extra yards on gambles that you weren't counting on. And Miles right. is not. He said it himself. Has not had a particularly uh, impactful season just yet. Uh, maybe this is a breakout game and he gets a lot of pressures and Lamar does his thing and you good and swivels now. 
gets you. Yeah. He was very good on Sunday. Absolutely. He was good Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, maybe he's not having an impactful season by uh, I'm one of the five best defensive by players in the league yeah. standards. He's having an impactful season by the I rolled my Porsche 66,000 times <laughs> like three weeks ago standards. He's doing great. Unbelievable. <laughs> and incredible. He walked away from that, much less playing. Uh, yeah. All right, uh, Indianapolis at Tennessee. For the second time in four weeks, kids, oh, uh, Titans are favored by two and a half. This is the most important game of the week for the playoff odds. This Colts week sucks. It, Colts make it 50% if they win, 20% if they lose. Titans make it 55% when they win, 27% when they lose. Um, I have a bunch of notes on this game. I don't know why I took so many notes on this game. <laughs> The Titans beat the Colts by seven. There were two Mo Alley Cox touchdowns. Ah. The Titans mostly shut down Michael Pittman, but Alec Pierce had 80 yards. They shut down Jonathan Taylor. The Colts are actually a really good run defense. Yes. It's the one thing they do well. Yes. Except in this game because they let Derrick Henry go 22 for 114 with a touchdown against them. So this was the one game all year where the Colts' run defense was not good. I got a couple of notes, too, in part because I just don't want to think about this game. I just wanted to go into uh, my happy place mentally while I read things. Uh, The Titans are dead last in net yards per drive by our drive statistics, 11.94 net yards per drive. They're 31st in offensive yards per drive. They are 29th in defensive yards per drive. So this is a team that rarely drives the ball and lets other teams drive on them. And I tr- and trust me, this is true. I watch a lot of Titans football, ugh, and that's true. They're 30th, in, th- in, th- in other words, third most in three and outs per drive. The Titans go three and out, third most in the league. Why are they around 500? They're number one in red zone offense, and they're number three in red zone defense. Yeah, so which is not teams, usually sustainable. It's not usually sustainable. Other teams drive on them and they hold them, and then when they muster drive, they score a touchdown. That's what's getting you five hundred. Does not look. Here's, sustainable. here's some other non-sustainable fun. Here's the Titans' pass defense DVOA rank. Yes, yeah, okay, good. Thirty-first, thirty-first on first down. Okay. Thirty-second on second down. First on third down. Not sustainable. Not sustainable. <laughs> but anyway. Colts. Yeah, taking the Colts. Yeah, even in that game you referenced when Henry had 100 plus yards, I feel like, and Lord knows I didn't watch every play of this game, so I, I could be off on this, but I feel like that was mostly concentrated around a sort of 10 or 12 minute span of game time when he ran wild in the second quarter. Yeah, Colts adjusted to it a little bit, and he didn't have nearly the success he had later, uh, that kind of success later in the game. I'm not saying that's going to necessarily work the same way this week, but. Uh, I feel like the Colts actually played better without Taylor last week. They team with an identity crisis, and maybe the, just letting Matt Ryan just chuck it a hundred times and not like you're like they're doing something, you know, without playing to their strength actually helped them last week. But, now, he, here's uh, a reason said, to pick the Titans. defense is terrible. So here's the reason to pick the Titans. The Titans are the worst defense in the league against deep passes. That's where they've been really weak this year. Mm-hmm. But Ryan throws deep. Less than almost any quarterback this year, because he because he so he's not time. he doesn't have the arm yeah. to take advantage of doesn't that. The doesn't have the arm. Doesn't have the time to throw. And he was picking apart the Jaguars. We're going to talk about the oh my god, we're going to talk about the Jaguars. <laughs> yes, we are. We're going to talk about the Jaguars in a couple of minutes. Apart, 
he had open guys underneath a lot. It's just like little crossing routes, those drag routes, and they were open, right. open, open for him. Yeah. Obviously, Matt Ryan can still do that when he's got time to read a little bit. Right. Um, I don't know if that's a reason to pick the Titans, though, at this point. Uh, you know, I think I think they they cover underneath decently. I would say that. Here, here's another two two other interesting things. First of all, if you want a first quarter bet, I know you like first quarter bets. I mean, you you really like them for you really like them for night games. Yes, that's true. Okay, the Titans are the number one offense and number seven defense so far this year in the first quarter. The Colts are 27th on offense and 28th on defense so far in the first quarter. Oh, I got to look this up, but that sounds like fun. This is a one o'clock start, right? Yep. So this yeah. could be an appetizer bet. It's hard for me on Sundays because I have to cover so many things. I'm taking so many notes. First quarter, have a little bet done by one o'clock. Let's see. The uh, first quarter line is Titans minus one yeah. at plus 125. So you're yeah. saying the Titans are the play there, right? Yeah, the Titans are the play. It's happening. Titans are the best offense in the league before halftime and the worst offense in the league after halftime. Interesting. Now, do you like those first quarter bets in night games so you can go to sleep uh, at a re- reasonable hour? Is that the idea? Go to sleep at a reasonable hour like on, on, on Monday night, get my editing done on Sunday night and on Thursday night so I can hang out in the Discord with our readers and there's something to talk about in the early part of the game when we're all still just warming up and complaining about how bad Thursday night football is. <laughs> I also, the other bet I like in this game is the under, under 42 and a half. Colts offense, bad. Titans, <laughs> Titans are the <laughs> slowest, Titans are the slowest paced team in the league this year. All right. I was going to ask where they rank on that. So you had it handy. Good for you. Uh, is it, is it mathematically possible that an AFC South, division game happens every single weekend i mean i don't think (laughs) they play each other four times this year they play each other four times i swear we threw in extra afc south games just for fun (laughs) i think they do well fun is not necessarily the operative word right (laughs) prediction sounds like you you both you both would be on the colts colts plus two and a half yeah i'm looking now maybe at colts money line and under if people are interested that's plus 300 is it really line and under plus 300 Colts plus two and a half and under would be at plus 250. So it's going to be some combination like that. I'm on the Colts. Yeah, I think I am too. Um, yeah, it's it's like you say, I just don't trust Tennessee in a lot of different ways. Not that I trust uh, the Colts I don't trust either, either of these teams. In both yeah, I don't, I don't really either. I just I I don't know. I think I would say Titans, but I don't. Don't make me put money on it. I'd rather play, I'd rather play the under. Or okay. that first quarter of that thing. I don't trust the Titans. I think we've seen peak bad Colts. I think yeah. we're about to see later right. peak Titans. And also, I think Jim Irsay's comment slamming Dan Snyder gives them a little bit of positive karma for this week anyway. You know, So uh, <laughs> go with the Colts on that one. Irsay's got karma. That's true. All right. AFC for South. New York Giants at Jacksonville. The shocking line of Jaguars minus three, where Vegas is clearly smoking what DVOA is smoking about the New York Giants and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes, they are. I'm shocked, <laughs> shocked that they are smoking as much DVOA as they are. Uh, the Jaguars are eighth in DVOA. If you take out week two against the Colts, they would be 21st. Right. But the change is mostly defense, not on offense. Their offense has been about the same all year long. It's their defense that was phenomenal against the Colts in that game. 
Yes. And their defense has been bad in many other games. It was bad against yeah. the Commanders in week one. It was not particularly strong against the Eagles, although they had some turnover issues in that. And it was woeful against the Colts. So here's the most interesting stat I found. The Giants, Wink Martindale, right, blitz more than any other team. Mm -hmm. Lawrence was horrible against the blitz last year. Horrible. 3.9 yards per play. This year, so far, he's got 6.7 yards per play against the blitz. And ESPN has him fifth in their QBR numbers. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I mean, you would expect him to improve. It just, I wonder how much of that is, is him running, too. I mean, especially in the QBR. I don't know the answer to that question. But yeah, I mean, he's more mobile than people give him credit for. Yeah. And just anecdotally, I feel like every time I, I look in on them, just scrambling out of the blitz and, and making at least something happen uh, positively, more with his legs yeah. than his arm. Uh, yeah. But, I, you know, this is the classic. Vegas trying to get everybody to look at that number and be like, what are they smoking? As you said, there's DVOA or something illegal and, uh, you know, putting heavy money down on the Giants. And then, you know, classic Giants aren't really that great either. Records inflated. They're going down to theoretically a hot game in Florida. Uh, You know, Duval, for whatever that's worth, will be rowdy trying to, you know, all the Giants fans down there uh, will rip up the locals. You know, I, I can definitely see where Vegas is coming from. And I, I can definitely see the Jags uh, pulling a, a mild upset in this game too. One thing it wouldn't be an upset because they're the favorites. <laughs> right. A I guess upset by going by record, not by, uh, right. by spread. Right. One injury to keep an eye on left tackle. The Giants, Andrew Thomas was limping around last week, but he's been on the injury list with an elbow injury this week. You know, that you look around at who they've got, like, he's one of the names of guys. Like, that's an actual, like, pro bowler. There's not a lot of them running around on that field right now. And Thomas is kind of one that would qualify. So he's limited. That just that just saps things out. Saquon's also on the injury list. Saquon's going to play in some capacity. Jaguars have been excellent this year against deep passes. Daniel Jones was very good at deep passes last year. And here's the shocker. This year, the Giants throw fewer deep passes than any other offense. Right. Yeah. Right. Even though it's a Daniel Jones strength, and it's working. Dayball has that working. He has Daniel Jones moving away from his strength from last year, and it's totally working. It is so well schemed up and designed, and I don't think it's sustainable because it's a little bit like the Falcons. Like, look at all this gingerbread, uh, and and it's getting it to work. And I can't imagine how it keeps working with these with these receivers, with that quarterback in these circumstances. It's still working against the Jaguars, though. Because you look at the Jaguars back six, back seven. Yeah. There's not there's not a lot there. Not great. Right. Not great. Right. I, I just feel like with Dayball, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because I hear a lot of this uh, with all the Giants fans in my life. I am from New York originally. Uh, you know, I, I heard a lot of the same talk early on in the career with even Joe Judge, you know, and you get it from a lot of coaches around the league where they start out and they, they're decent and they're better than the last guy and they come in with some credentials that – or mm-hmm. Belichick, Patna, whatever. And it's like, oh, finally we have a coach. And then the reality of your team when they get injuries hit and other teams adjust to what you're doing and things like that, and you make a mistake here or there on the sideline, and it, it tends to even out. I, I'm not saying he's a bad coach at all. I'm just no. kind of – let's take some – let's take uh, – as Parcells would say, let's take Dayball out of the coaching hall. That game. being said, he is not right now, as far as I know, he is not the favorite for coach of the year. Not at all. Yeah, and, and and I think that he's the best value for coach of the year. 
100%. Let me pull that up for you. Yeah, I was going to say, do you have those numbers? It will be coming because we talked about it on Monday's show with Ian O'Connor. And, folks, you can catch me and Ian O'Connor wrapping up Sunday's action every Monday. Uh, but the uh, favorite is still Nick Sirianni at plus 150. Folks, second-year coach who was a playoff coach in his first year and also a playoff coach in his second year never wins coach of the year. So Sirianni, barring 17-0, is not going to get the coach of the year vote. Brian Dable is down to plus 450. He was around plus 600 earlier. I still think he's a value at plus 450. I don't think there's a lot of other really good candidates on the candidates, list. Candidates, yeah. Zach Taylor right. on that list? Zach Taylor. Oh, God. Sure. He's, he's, here, he's there somewhere. <laughs> he's there somewhere. Uh, Arthur Smith at plus 3,000. Zach Taylor at plus 5,000. There you go. So yeah. I'm, I'm buying our numbers. I'm going Jaguars minus three. Also, I like over 42. Ooh, yeah. Jaguars plus three and over. What do you think? I definitely like them plus three. No, it's three, minus two, three. It's Jaguars minus three. Jaguars minus three. Sorry, yeah, and uh, I, I can see that overhitting too. It's a, the kind of again contrary thinking, maybe, but I'm thinking it's a low-scoring game. There's the Martindale defense will confuse and confabulate, but they'll score some points uh, even if it's you know in an awkward, unusual way. I think uh, 42 is not that high a number. Either. Jaguars minus three and a half and over on a same game. You can get that at plus 265. Oh, that's a lot of fun. That's oh, a but lot that's of Jaguars minus three and a half, not minus three. Where'd you get that? Yeah. yeah. That changes everything. Oh, because you can't with the parlay, they're going to put the half point in there to put right. it. Yeah. Um, Kansas City at San Francisco. This is the main 4 p.m. game. It's not quite as attractive as it probably was before the season because of the injuries that San Francisco is dealing with right now on defense. Bosa yeah. might be back, but not 100%. Hafanga is out. Uh, Javon Kinlaw is on IR. Um, Al-Shahir is on IR. Maybe. Uh, Tavarius Ward is out. It, it's a lot of injuries. Yeah, right. the last I heard was that Bosa and Williams are both going to try. You know, yeah, Trent Williams on the offensive side is supposed to be back this week, and that's good for their offense. But I'm thinking more about how they were the number one defense on DVOA before last week, and then everybody yeah. got hurt. And the last two weeks, especially last week against Atlanta, that was not the number one defense. <laughs> no, those were not the same guys. And now they have to face some guy named Patrick Mahomes, and that doesn't seem to me to be a good thing. Right. There were and an we astounding to... number of 49ers jerseys uh, around town, by the way, last week, or whatever that's yeah, worth. It doesn't shock they me. They did travel, and they were not happy with what they saw. Uh, the 49ers <laughs> are actually higher in DVOA right now. They're fifth, whereas the Chiefs are seventh. But with those injuries, right. I, I just feel very strong about the Chiefs. The, the, the 49ers are – the other thing about the 49ers is this has been a weakness for a couple of years now. They're very weak against deep passes and very good against short passes. And Mahomes, this is interesting. Mahomes leads the league in total value on short passes, and he's only average on deep passes. But I still think he can take advantage of that weakness. It's almost as if he's missing a guy that he used to throw deep to a lot. But yeah, he, yeah, this might be the time for MVS to finally put up some big numbers. He's right. the deep threat. He's the deep threat. Right. And you've got, with no Bosa, no Kenlaw, those guys, you've got the opportunity. You've got the time. Yeah. Well, with them. probably Bosa, but probably a not 100% Bosa. But you know who's supposed to be back from injury for the 49ers, right? In the secondary. 
Jason Barrett, that'll last two or three plays. Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. Don't say don't say his name three times. It injures him. Does he make it through a warm-ups is the question. <laughs> we, we love you, Jason. We want what's best for you, but it's, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry it happens like this, but we have to create content. Don't get hurt. Yeah, and go good luck in your future endeavors because <laughs> oh my God. play at least a month, for God's sake. <laughs> Get 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 vested. If you're not vested yet, get vested. Yeah, um, right. You're going Chiefs. What what is, what is our line right now? Because I'm just going to go. Yeah, Chiefs. where are we at? It's Chiefs minus two and a half. It's moved from three to two and a half. Yes, Chiefs. I'll this tell you it, emotionally, is... I'm feeling the Chiefs more than our equation is. Our equation yeah. of FO picks only has the Chiefs very slightly, and it had it as a no pick when it was three. How? But I feel minutes? stronger about the Chiefs than the equation does. Right. It is the uh, Super Bowl 54 rematch, we should probably mention. Uh, yes. Who would have thought before the season or even last year at this point that you'd have a Garoppolo-Mahomes rematch, right? I mean, right. Nobody, because we thought <laughs> we are again. Yeah, now there's some sort of karma play out where this time he hits the big pass in the fourth quarter and leads them uh, to victory in a much less meaningful game. Or do you we know, Based on NFL history, Garoppolo has to eventually become Mahomes' backup. Right. <laughs> it's going to go there. Now. It's very true. The ties at quarterback between these two franchises are long and deep. No question oh, yeah. about it. Trey Lance has to eventually replace Mahomes, right? I mean, you know. Certainly, oh, it seems God. like that'll be the way it works, at least for one year. Um, all right. One more game to talk about. That's the night game, which is Pittsburgh at Miami. I didn't say we have to talk about it much, but we should talk <laughs> about it. Sucks. It is on Nationwide. Go get an injury update. Not I'm, not making you, I'm not making you guys talk about the Patriots and the Bears. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't, I don't want to do the what's wrong with Justin Fields. Is he not seeing open receivers? Is the offensive line actually secretly good? I don't want to do that. So I want to look up an injury, not to our friend Tua, but to a much more important person on that offense. Who is out, uh, I believe. Is Armstead out? Uh, last I heard, but I mean, no, not definitely officially out, but I mean, it's not trending in a good direction is what I heard. Uh, Waddle, I think, is uh, – as of one hour ago, Taranoff Armstead is back at practice. Oh, okay. That's dang correct. Okay, so so th- this is a, a two-situation game, and then Waddle's important too. I, but I again, say. there's a reason why we count questionable guys as partial when we do adjusted games law. Like Armstead right. may play, but he's not going to be at a hundred percent. He's not necessarily going to be at a hundred percent. Yeah, he definitely twenty percent. He's better in Greg Little. Yes. Also, Pierre, per- Perot LeFou points out this is Brian Flores versus the Dolphins ownership. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in the parking lot, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to factor assistant coach versus owner who's just exiting this quasi-suspension that no one even cares about. I don't know what to think about Miami. Their offense is sixth in DVOA based entirely on two games. Yes. Right? Weeks two and three. Otherwise, their offense has been very average. Their pass defense has been very bad, including 31st against short passes. Right? Which, I mean, you would have to expect. If I I think it's going to be Pickett. I think Pickett is practicing. He's out of concussion protocol. Um, yeah, and here's, says here's, here's a really weird statistical combo I found. Miami has a strong pass rush. They were very strong in pressure rate last year. They're 30th in pressure rate this year, according to PFR. 
Yeah. That feels wrong. So just teams getting the ball out quickly against them for I don't whatever know, reason. Man, it's weird. I don't know. Teams getting the ball out quick. I mean, the, the Vikings, you know, that they run a system that's going to prevent pressure because they're going to be in two tight ends a lot. Uh, they have they have the lead a lot. They're going to run so much rollout stuff that you're not going to get a lot of just clean pass rushes against them. That might have been part of it. But the offense is easy to understand. If you've got Armstead at left tackle, if you've got Waddle on Hill, and if you've got Tua, you have a strong offense there. You have an offense that's going to have a, be challenging to defend. When you start taking pieces away from it, they don't have – I mean, quarterback, they do have Teddy Bridgewater. Skyler actually looked okay, too. You take away your left tackle, replace him with nothing. You take away Waddle, and you realize you don't, they don't have a lot of depth at playmakers. Then you have a very different team. Yeah. And it, they Pittsburgh were supposed to. Cedric Wilson was supposed to be useful. Uh, yeah. he, he hasn't really done much this year. Not, not, not yet. And Pittsburgh, I think, you know, they, they really circled that game last week, even though they – probably because they were missing a bunch of defensive starters, they came out with their hair on fire and just played <laughs> exceptionally well defensively in that game. I, I question how sustainable that is. Uh, even getting some guys back, uh, and it, it felt like they were playing well above themselves, and they're due for a bit of a letdown going on the road. Uh, I think a lot of people were expecting to see them, you know, be a steel curtain esque defense again in this week. I have my doubts about that. Not that they'll be blown out per se. No, I think what's more likely is that they're better than anyone expects on offense, and not as good as people expect. Not as good on defense, right? Miami yeah, is poor on pass defense, and the Steelers are thirty first running the ball. Miami is seventh against the run. They should pass the ball in this game. I know that sounds like, oh, rookie quarterback, they don't want to pass the ball. They should pass the ball. They want to pass the ball in this game. Is there an over-under prop on concussions suffered by the quarterbacks? Oh, oh, so I'm not even going to look it up. I'm not typing that into my <laughs> browser. My browser, But I feel a scenario, a very possible scenario in this is, yeah, yeah, like, oh, my, let me clear my history. <laughs> A scenario is that if Tua is back, if they have decent protection at left tackle, that this game tilts in the Dolphins' favor early. The Steelers can't do the, well, we can we can play short passing game and catch up. I feel like this game could get away from the Steelers early. So if the line is Dolphins minus seven. What's that? Wow. I did not realize. Without Armstead information, I'm not touching it. I would – I would take that if I know Taron Armstead's at left tackle. I will. Take I'll that. take Steelers. Steelers plus seven. They're a hard team to beat by a lot. I mean, I know it's happened, you know, in a couple of fluke circumstances. But I mean, just even when Pittsburgh doesn't play well, they play. Uh, they find a way to make games close. Yeah. And you know, with all the mystery surrounding uh, Miami's offense, that seems like a lot of points to me too. Right. All right, that does it for week seven, folks. Thank you to everybody who's listening to this as a podcast. Thank you to everybody who's watching the live stream. Thank you to people who commented during the show. Again, like and subscribe to the show. Tell your friends about the show. Spread the word about the show. Uh, Don't forget to check out Football Outsiders live streams every day, Monday through Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern on YouTube and Twitch. And... uh, Check out our sponsors at Underdog Fantasy. Use code OUTSIDERS to match your deposit up to $100. Get on the Discord. Ask us your fantasy questions. All the links are below here on YouTube. Uh, And check out all the content on Football Outsiders. And uh, thank you all for watching and listening. And we'll talk to you next week. It's this week. It sucks. (laughs) It sucks. But, Rob, you were very good. Thank you for not so much. I enjoyed it as always, guys. Thanks so much for having me.